This is the best of Judge Janine. Best of. Mr. President, thanks so much for being with us this morning. There's a lot going on in the world. I want to start with Ukraine uh, and the back and forth over sending uh, uh, jets to Ukraine or getting them from Poland, the MiGs, and then getting them over to Ukraine. It appears that this administration is fearful of Vladimir Putin and his designation of uh, our entering into the war, depending on how he feels that particular day. Well, I think the administration is snake bit, and they have for a long time, because this is a war that should have never started. We shouldn't be going through what we're going through. All these people dying and viciously dying. And, and it's uh, just so, so sad to watch because it was so unnecessary. This would have never, ever happened under the Trump administration. And now they don't know what to send, what not to send. I was the one that sent the tank busters, as you know. I was the one that sent that. They sent blankets. They were talking about Obama and Biden sent blankets. And I sent the tank busters. But. Uh, I was the one, the javelins, they call them, and uh, the stingers for the planes. I was the one that sent the equipment, and without that, they wouldn't wouldn't have had a chance. And now they're fighting hard, but our country has not been of much help. Well, what what about the fact that it appears that, you know, Putin decides that if we send certain planes uh, uh, beyond the MiGs, that, you know, it is a declaration of war. What, what, how is it that he is able to cow this administration so that they're fearful of even doing their nuclear exercises for fear that he might see that as a uh, a declaration of war by the United States? Well, and then Biden keeps going out and talks about them as a nuclear power. He should be saying we're a nuclear power and uh, we should not play games with it. He'll say that we can't do this. We can't do that. Why, they are a nuclear power. Well, we're a nuclear power, too. In fact, I rebuilt our entire nuclear arsenal. I hated doing it. But for just this moment, you need that. And we have brand new weapons. We've renovated our weapons. They were 45 years old. People didn't even know if they worked. Now we have the best in the world. And, you know, spent a lot of money, a lot of time on it. And I hated doing it, but we had no choice. Well, there is peace through strength, obviously. I mean, if we've learned anything from history. But could this have been avoided? Could this whole thing have been avoided? Should have never happened. And Putin knew with me. I knew him very well. And uh, Putin knew with me that he can't do it. I told him, can't do it. Uh, don't do it. What What, what is Putin's statements that I'm not going to go on now? I will tell you maybe at some point, but I'm not going to go on now. But he knew that he couldn't do it and he wouldn't have done it. He absolutely wouldn't have done it. He's lost respect for our country. Right. He's lost a lot of respect because of, I believe, the incompetent withdrawal. The way they withdrew from Afghanistan was so bad. And I think he sat back and President Xi sat back and they watched it. And even now, they're not doing the right thing. You have people in Ukraine that are starving. We right. could get food into them. You have cities right now, they're starving. They've been totally cut off. And we're just not doing anything. We're doing, I guess, as little as possible. And, you know, there's a side that says that's okay, but you got to get food into these people. We have a lot of people that are starving to death. They have no water. They have no food.
Well, you know, the sad part of all of this, and I think it was a turning point, was when they hit the the maternity hospital. I think that's when everybody kind of stood up and said, uh, you know, this is this is unacceptable. And now the U.N. says there are credible reports of cluster bombs. Uh, You've sat with Putin. You know what the man is like. What is he looking for? Well, I think he was looking to take him over in two days, and that hasn't worked out. Well, so I think he's right now very much cornered. And, you know, when somebody's cornered, they react one of two ways. They give up or they do things that are far worse. And, I, you know, he's got a big ego. I, again, I know him very well. And I think it's hard. What's going on now is hard. I understand he's gotten rid of a lot of his generals. Uh, he had that ridiculous right. 40 miles of tanks and other things. And a lot of them were shut up by the javelins that I was able to right. get to. Ukraine. And I think he's embarrassed because this was supposed to be over in two days. And this well, is not over. This this may never be over. Well, and that's the question. I mean, what is what is Putin ultimately looking for? Is he looking to claim the Donbass area or is he looking to take half of Ukraine and make it like a Berlin? I mean, what do you think his goal is? The problem is he's so far in that almost any deal he makes is going to make him look bad. He's gone so far in. And, you know, many of these cities have been practically leveled. Right. You've got to rebuild all these cities. You're talking about trillions of dollars. The damage has been done. But he's so far in. He could have made an okay deal just prior to the war. He could have made a deal and would have saved face for himself, could have done something. But, you know, they were looking to do something. But nobody ever thought that uh, this was going to happen. Would have never happened, should have never happened. Uh, Putin is in a very bad position in many ways. Now, he'll continue to go forward and continue to get more and more ruthless. And you right. mentioned the bombs, but I, he, they also talk about the gas bombs like they used in Syria. These are horrible, horrible bombs. When they go, when they, when they're detonated, there is, they're just violent. They take them out, the lungs start burning, people die mm-hmm. a, a horrible death. And they're talking about that too. So there are things that he can do that, I mean, there are signs of them already, but there are things that he can do that are unspeakable that maybe he'll do. Look, I, you know, it's very hard for him to give up or it's very hard for him right now to negotiate anything. Very well, hard. is that because he wants to save face or be, what, what do you think he thinks? Well, largely the- because of that. I mean, it's hard for him. He wants to save face. He's got to. A tremendous ego, and he wants to save face. He never thought this could happen. He never knew that his tanks were going to be blown up routinely as they drive down a, an area. You know, look at these tanks. These are powerful machines. And, and then you see them getting blown to smithereens. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing, actually, Janine. And what? he never thought this was going to happen. He took a long time getting ready, and, and they also were getting ready. And you know, they're good fighters. The Ukrainians are good fighters. And very interesting when you when you look at their longer term strategy, they're giving rifles, good rifles. They're giving these rifles to potentially millions of people so that, you know, you have 47 million people. And if you take a million of them or two million, they could certainly handle rifles. So you're going to have a two million person army in there once even even if they got through and made some progress militarily, you're going to have all these people with rifles. It's going to be very, very hard 
taking over that country. And they have great spirit. Right. Well, you know, and that's the whole point that even if Putin gets in there and takes over uh, Kiev in the next maybe 48 hours, he seems to be surrounding it. I mean, you're going to have an insurgency. The Ukrainian people are tough. They're fighters. Uh, and, you know, can Russia occupy that area? Can they afford to? I mean, economically, uh, ha- aren't they hurting right now? Yeah, not the way it's going. They can't. Uh Everyone thought they'd go in very quickly, they'd occupy and put it back into Russia like the Soviet Union. They wanted to rebuild the Soviet Union, with a, probably with a different name in all likelihood. But they wanted to build, rebuild the Soviet Union. And that's what this is all about to a large extent. And then you right. say, what's the purpose of this? They had a country. You could see it was a country where there's a lot of love. And, you know, we're doing it because somebody wants to make uh, his country larger or he wants to put it back the way it was when actually it didn't work very well. And I, it's just a terrible situation. So many people are dying. So many people will never recover right. from what's taken place over this two-week period. And he's not doing well. He was going to walk in. He was going to take it over very quickly. They were going to march in and just walk right through. And they got bogged down. And, you know, the uh, the javelins have been brutal because they've been knocking out these tanks and clogging up the roads. and stopping the caravans and you know they have a 40 mile caravan it couldn't move well you know this what's amazing what bargained for. mr president what's amazing to me is you've got this 40 mile caravan that that's barely moving it's amazing to me that there isn't any way to just take out the caravan i mean they're like sitting ducks there uh well i've been surprised also uh, i actually uh i gave them some ideas i've been very very surprised that they haven't taken it yeah. out in its entirety because now it's already broken up. You know, they're breaking it up right. into smaller sections. It makes right. it more difficult. But, you know, for a week, for a week and a half, you had a 40-mile caravan that was stuck. And I'm a little surprised they didn't wipe it out. They hit it pretty hard. In all this is the Judge Janine Firo Show. The best of Judge Janine is on the air. Best of... Well, you know, I'm under, I'm hearing, Mr. President, that some of these uh, tanks, they're out of gas and they're sub-zero temperatures right now. It's getting yeah. very cold there that those yeah. tanks can literally turn into a uh, into a refrigerator or freezer. And if there's no yeah. gas and they've got no food, I mean, they literally are sitting in a freezer. The Russians. It's very cold. Now, Russia has always used cold to its advantage. Napoleon, his army froze. Germany, their army froze because they went in and they didn't make it. In this case, the one thing I can say is you're going to be getting warmer as opposed to colder. Uh, They didn't make it because they missed that little window of opportunity, pretty big window. But Napoleon's army froze, as you know, and uh, Germany, they won by freezing. But right now, freezing is not helping uh, the Russians. So. Is there anything is there anything, Mr. President, that Zelensky could have done differently or should have done differently? Was this all about NATO? Well, I think that what happened is that uh, he really reacted well under pressure. You know, I had a very good experience with him because with Mm -hmm. the fake impeachment, he backed me 100 percent. He said Trump did nothing wrong. The president did absolutely nothing wrong. So I had a very, you know, he could have said, oh, I felt threatened or some nonsense. <laughs> but there was no threat from that call. It was ridiculous. It's just another Democrat hoax. 
But so I had a very good experience with him. He said, no, there was nothing done on that call that was wrong. There was nothing inappropriate said on that call. That was a very good thing for him to say. It was the truth. But that was a very nice thing of him to say. And he didn't have to say it, but he did. So I had a very good experience with him. And I think he's doing an incredible job. Of, but you know, but should he have done anything differently? Could he have done anything differently? Well, he was trying to get people to do things. I mean, again, I did a lot because I gave them a lot. I gave them a lot of weapons. But uh, that stopped with Biden. And now you see they don't even want to give the airplanes, the old Polish airplanes. The MiGs, they right. They call them the Soviet era airplanes. Right. And they don't want to do that. You know, it's sort of weird because they give them javelins they give them other things but for some reason they think that airplanes are a step too far well that's because Maybe putin draw, drew the line putin but, drew the line you know, he said that's an act of war yeah well they say that but you know but in the meantime we give drones we give a lot of other things and that's not an act of war then they're more effective than a 40 year old airplane how does this so, all end mr president uh, nobody knows. Should have never started, most importantly, because all those people that are dead and destroyed uh, and all that those those incredible places that are just destroyed mm. buildings, historic buildings. But uh, Janine, nobody knows. But uh, Russia is not doing well. And, and frankly, look, Ukraine is how do you recover from something like this? Their mm-hmm. cities are knocked down and obliterated and it's going to continue. Just something that should have never started. And let's talk about what Xi Jinping is thinking now as he watches the United States essentially cower to whatever definition Putin determines is an act of war. Uh, and uh, what is he thinking now? It's good for me now. I'll go take over Taiwan. Well, it's a double thought. So originally, I think the first few days he would have said uh, he's going to do it. And I think he po- probably will anyway, because he watched the, the Afghanistan mm-hmm. debacle. But but uh, originally he was going to do it. Now he's looking at the problems that Russia's had in, you know, that it's not that easy. In other words, doing it is not that easy. Now, you're talking about a much bigger country. You're talking about, uh, you know, a, a tremendous power. I think it would be harder, in a way, harder for Taiwan Yes. than it is for Ukraine. It would be harder to escape the jaws. But I think he is looking at the kind of resistance that's being put up and saying, well, wait a minute, maybe I'll slow it down a little bit. I think that a week ago he was all ready to go. It was going to be after the Olympics, so the Olympics is gone. But I think he's watching what's happening with Russia and maybe he's saying this might not be such a good idea. And by the way, Taiwan's watching also. Right. You know, it's, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of tricks being learned right now that haven't been thought of before or certainly not not where it's on television every night. So he's watching it and he's seeing that it's not so easy. Uh, but but Putin is in a very embarrassing position right now because this was supposed to go fast, surgically, deadly and over. And that's not happening. And a lot of people, a lot of Russians are being killed. A lot of Russian soldiers are being killed. Well, you know, and I understand that uh, he's firing his uh, generals now over some of the invasion yeah. losses. But let me just segue in the last minute or two that we have 
uh, to the issue of oil. And uh, we obviously were energy independent when you were president. We were net exporters. uh, And now this this administration is looking to talk to uh, governments that they don't even recognize, like Venezuela, to get oil from a dictator uh, and and also ignoring or the Saudis are ignoring them. uh, And now they want to go to Iran, which is licking its chops and saying, great, I'll get a nuclear uh, I'll get a good nuclear deal out of this because they need my oil. (laughs) What a mess. And who do they have negotiating with Iran? Russia is negotiating for us. Do you believe this? Yeah, they're sitting at the table. And China is helping. So we have (laughs) Russia and China negotiating a deal for the United States with Iran that should not be made. I broke that deal up because if you make that deal, Israel is going to be in big trouble. I don't think Israel can allow that deal to happen. How can they stop it? Well, they're going to have to do something because I don't think Biden's going to stop it. He wants to make the deal. If that deal happens, one of the biggest things, you know, I gave Jerusalem and all of the things I did for Israel with the moving the embassy and making Jerusalem the capital of Israel, all these things I did for Israel. The most important thing I did was breaking up the Iran nuclear deal. Mm -hmm. And now they want to put it back in a weaker form. It's going to be even worse than the first deal they made Mm -hmm. and also pay them billions of dollars. The whole thing is crazy. And they have Russia is negotiating the deal for us with the help of China. Can you imagine what those negotiators from Russia and China are saying? They're saying these have to be the dumbest people in the world. We can't believe it. So they'll make this horrible deal. They're desperate to make a deal for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And we had them in a position that if I we look, uh, the election took place. It was a rigged election. If I won this if I was in position right now, there would be absolutely a deal right now with Iran. They were ready to make a deal. They were so ready. Now, all of a sudden, China's buying a lot of oil. They're becoming rich again, and they're very arrogant. They don't even want to meet with the United States. But we would have had a deal within the first two weeks after the election. With whom? Easily. With? We would have had a deal with whom? We would have had a deal with Iran. Right, right. We would have had a deal with Iran within two weeks after the election. I actually said, let's wait till after the election. They were willing to make a deal. They were ready to make a deal. It would have happened within two weeks after the election. Now they've got their mojo back. They're much richer right now. Right. China's buying massive amounts, many, many millions of barrels of oil. And... It's a whole different story. Yeah, China is so stepping in now to fill f- to fill the void. It's almost like there's a realignment of global powers. Would you say that, Mr. President? Well, Iran has become much stronger because Iran now is making a lot of money with the oil. Uh, actually, Russia, you know, in many ways is looking very foolish, but the price of oil is certainly helping them. They, you know, it's the highest price ever recorded. You saw the other day; it's the highest price we've ever seen. Right. So right. that probably makes up for a lot of the sins, but but uh, they've got a lot of other problems. There's no question about it. Well, Mr. President, uh, we appreciate your being uh, on the show this morning, and uh, we thank you for your insight. And uh, there is no question that uh, if you were president, uh, we would be energy independent and not running around the globe trying to find oil. So we thank well, you. That's for- true, and I'll always be on your show, Janine. Anytime you. you do a show, I'm there. Okay. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Have very a great much. day. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye bye. 
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The best of Judge Janine is on the air. Best of. Joining us now is a world-famous media personality, uh, someone who has been around a while and knows an awful lot. He's an individual uh, who is a co-host of mine on The Five and someone who has served as correspondent at large for the network, and uh, he was also war correspondent. He has just celebrated 50 years in television news, and uh, this past weekend he received an award for the work that he's done for uh, the disabled uh, for over 50 years. He is my good friend, uh, world-famous media personality, Geraldo Rivera. All right. Good morning, Geraldo. How are you? Good morning, Judge. How are you? Congratulations on your new show. Oh, thank you. And congratulations on the award you received. It was it was well worth it. Now, let's so get to how you, you were there. I was so I was so proud that you were there. Oh, you're you were, very kind. Everybody I... would love to see you and you look great. Thank you. Thank you. All right, now let's get to fighting. Now, Will Smith, the Chris Rock slapping incident. Tell us your take, Geraldo. Well, initially, uh, you know, as I said, when we were together on the five, initially I said, uh, wow, uh, what the hell happened? It looked like uh, my old uh, Geraldo show, the old talk <laughs> show, where brawls were common. Right. Uh, then uh, then I, I looked at it and saw that, uh, you know, he had been sticking up for his wife and that Chris Rock had insulted his wife, her hair and all the rest of it. And I said, oh, wow. Then he won the Oscar a few minutes later. So I said, uh, it's his night. Uh, he, he defended his, his lady fair. He won the Oscar, and, uh, and that was it. Then I started thinking about it, and I felt very guilty about my initial sentiments. And I said, wait a second, am I, uh, you know, uh, applauding violence here? Am I promoting uh, the, exactly the thing that I campaign against? Uh, you know, he had two black men. Uh, what kind of example is that where they, the – ghettos the inner cities of the country are so plagued by violence so i went i went through a whole arc and i suspect the whole country did too judge mm-hmm. you know i i agree with you i think there was an arc and and i think a lot of it geraldo had to do with the fact that people didn't know what to think i mean i think a lot of people were in shock and then you know he wins the academy award and he goes up there and my take on it geraldo and and tell me if you disagree I think the guy was out of control. He went from fury and anger to storming the stage to hitting a comedian and then going back and crying and talking about how he wanted to be a vessel for love. I mean, this guy, you know, on the went from one end of the equilibrium to the other. I, I, don't, I think he's unstable. Well, he certainly was at that moment. I agree with you, Judge. It seemed to me that he was out of control. Uh, and he was conflating, it seemed, uh, mm. his life with Richard Williams, Venus and Serena Williams' dad, uh, who was the uh, you know the subject of the big movie that he did and won the Oscar for. Uh, it's a, it, and I felt the worst for them, for Venus and Serena. They had to sit there and watch uh, you know Will Smith fall apart. 
you know, using their family name that had nothing at all to do with his his controversy. I mean, it's it's like he was living that role. He did what Richard Williams would have done under the circumstances and got who Will Smith was. Interesting. That I never thought of that. What do you think of the fact that Chris Rock refused to file charges? I would have refused also. You know, it's a, it's a macho thing. Uh, you know, you take the shot and then you, you hit back. Uh, that's where Chris Rock and I differ. I would have definitely had a fist fight there. Imagine that spectacle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, but but he still has all the civil remedies, as you know, Judge. You could, this is a multi-million dollar civil suit. You know, it's a tort. It's a civil wrong when you assault someone mm-hmm. as well as a crime. So I, mm-hmm. I think that the potential for a massive lawsuit still exists. And, you know, I, I think Chris Rock could also, he could include the Academy of uh, Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences as a, as a co-defendant in this civil suit for failing to protect him, for failing to... Uh, you know, uh, stop a, a, a physically enraged stalker from charging mm-hmm. the stage. Uh, uh, you mm-hmm. know, so I think that uh, we haven't heard the last of it. And I, I would suspect if I were uh, advising Chris Rock, it would be let it cool down a couple of months. You've got a full year, at least under the statute of limitations. Take your mm-hmm. time and then hit him uh, with a massive lawsuit, which uh, I think that even Will Smith has indicated he he, he knows he deserves. Interesting. You know, I never heard anyone talk about the, uh, you know, the, 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 the possibility of the consequences of a civil lawsuit. But clearly, uh, the Academy, you know, there, there was no protection. Anyone could literally just walk up on stage and do whatever they had to do, uh, whatever they wanted to do, I should say. And that's what happened. Uh, very, very interesting. That might be because to me, Geraldo, I just feel as a man, he did the right thing. He Chris Rock. He was a class act. He didn't hit back. He said, gee, it was just a G.I. Jane joke. He refused to have him arrested. I mean, you know, that that's where he and I differ, whatever. Uh, but but Chris Rock has been minimized. He's been humiliated. He was bee slapped on in front of the world. All right, Geraldo Rivera, thanks so much for joining us on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Morning Show. And uh, everybody, I'm going to be taking your calls on the Friends of the Court hotline. Uh, up next, uh, it is at 1-800-848-9222. It's all coming up on the Red Apple Audio Network. The Judge Jeanine Thero Show. The best of Judge Jeanine is on the air. Best of. Joining us now is a world-famous professional wrestler, a panelist, and actor on Gutfeld on Fox News. Please join me in welcoming Tyrus to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about Tyrus. Tyrus is an American professional wrestler who is currently signed to the National Wrestling Alliance, uh, he is, he, where he is the current National Wrestling Alliance World Television Champion. He is known for his tenure in WWE as Broadus Clay and Impact Wrestling. But what he is most known for is he has an office next to mine. And if anybody is mean to me, Tyrus comes out and fixes it. Good morning, Tyrus. Morning, Judge. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us. Listen, there's a topic we need to talk about, and I couldn't think of anyone better than you to talk about it. Now, I think, you know, maybe we've been unkind 
to Kamala Harris. Maybe she's smarter than she's showing herself to be. But I want you to listen to this last sound. And I, after we come after it, I want to come back to you and listen to it. It's when she's in uh, Poland, I believe. And they ask her whether or not the United States will take refugees. Is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think, and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend in need. <laughs> okay, so this time. Your thoughts, Tyrus, on Kamala Harris laughing? Uh, that's what happens when you're not prepared. I mean, that's the only thing I can think about is that she honestly thought uh, she wasn't listening to the, the questions. She was in, and if you watch that whole interview or that whole uh, press conference in its entirety, she just seemed like she was very disinterested in being there. Interesting. Uh, and, and, uh, and you, uh, one of your observations has always been about being prepared and owning the room. And I, I, it just appeared to me like she just was very disinterested in the room, and the question was asked. It was that pause, and from from a guy who's been on the stage, who's been uh, who's been on a boring interview TV show once or twice, and you're not paying attention, and you're thinking about what you're having for dinner and stuff like that. And then they ask you a question, and there's that long, awkward pause. That's your brain trying to remind you that the question is for you, and think of something. And so that's what it came off to me as that she was just really just interested. And then she has that, I think it's almost a nervous laugh now that we're seeing from her to where, you know, when a friend in need is a friend indeed, this isn't a, 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 a song. This is people who are fleeing for their lives with no, basically nowhere to go. So it was disappointing, and it, it made us Americans look like we're very uncaring and very arrogant. Well, yeah, and that's the concern. It's the world stage, Tyrus. And, you know, she has been sent uh, to, I guess, uh, it, not just the border. I mean, I don't know that she's been to the border, to be honest with you. Uh, but when she was made uh, the made known as the person who was going to find out what the root causes of the problems at the border were, you know, she pretty much laughed that one off and said, you know, I haven't been to the border, but I haven't been to Europe either. Um, you know, I think it's very curious, uh, uh, Tyrus, that I never thought of it, that she might be someone who really is just disinterested. But at some point, as vice president of the United States, there's got to be a topic she's got to be interested in. And, you know, when she first came in, she was very upset uh, that they Vogue put her in an outfit with sneakers and uh, Converse, I guess, and a pantsuit. And she was hitting the ceiling while there was a pandemic going on and she wanted to start a war with Vogue magazine. I'm not sure this woman is up to the job. No, I think she's just and, you know, and and, and researching and getting prepared because you got to bring your A game when you're sitting across from the judge. (laughs) <laughs> I, I was looking at some of her uh, debates, and it's kind of the same thing. Whenever she is pressured, especially Tulsi Gabbard had hit her with some tough stuff, yeah. and she was basically bringing up you know, her withholding evidence when she was a prosecutor. Right. And instead of answering the question, she just went with what she had planned to say already. So I think whenever she is frustrated or feels attacked, she just goes off in her own thing and doesn't think about anybody else. So I think 
her A game was to be president. And I'm kind of looking at it as, you know how we have that division where we see where Republicans and Democrats will not work together no matter what. doesn't matter. There's certain, uh, you know, guys on the right who are like death before working with a Democrat. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing the same thing in the White House where she's super progressive and Biden, well, at least he used to be until he folded like a lawn chair, was a, was a moderate Democrat. And I think if I'm not working with him. I'm not trying to help him succeed because the worse he looks, the better the opportunity is for me. I think her end game is to basically through incompetence or maybe even an impeachment get into uh, his seat. And then all of a sudden that's when she's going to kick in these, these great ideas of hers. But in the meantime, I think she's frustrated and just disinterested in general. And, and you're seeing her personality and who she really is, is that there are people, there's wars going on. There's, inflation in this country people are trying to get pandemics and telling being until they get fired if they don't wear a mask and she's screaming about some tennis shoes that she put on in the first place <laughs> yeah. picture. so i mean that's that's where her head's at it's she's just all about her right now and unfortunately um i think the idea was that she was going to be a, a dick cheney-esque vp you know like candle mm-hmm. pins and boots on the ground and sometimes you're like who's the president you know but this is not what we got. She, and, and Biden just keeps passing everything off to her. I think the two of them are just going out of their way to try to one-up each other. And it's, it's the expense of the, of the country. Well, one of the things, Tyrus, that I think they've d- learned from each other is the word salad. You know, continually, <laughs> continuously saying yeah. uh, uh, something that makes no sense, but repeating the phrase two or three times in the same sentence. I can't do it. It's like we've got to be sure to, that we are focused on what we're doing. And that we do it every day and we have to do it every day to be focused so that we can continue to do what we're doing. You know, when Biden did that with the sanctions this week, he said, I never said sanctions were going to deter. And, you know, the, the 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 amazing part of this is that when her 10th person left, I mean, we're into this administration, I think a year and, and three months and she's had 10 staffers leave. That tells you uh, a little bit about her because they talk about a toxic environment they talk about her belittling her staff and they also talk about her not even boning up on the materials that they give her well that's blatantly obvious when we hear her try to listen some people can freestyle rap some people have to have a writer she has to have a writer because whenever she freestyles we have no idea (laughs) what the hell she's saying and we've seen it we know there's certain there's certain personalities it's box that like judge you get you on the table and you throw a curveball at you you're going to hit it then there's other people we work with you hit them with a curveball and you see them shuffling through their notes and trying to find you know what they pre-wrote for their what their plan was and then they'll just say i'm just going to say what i was going to say in the first place yes Uh, yes. (laughs) she's not even doing that she's just she's very disinterested but i think the, the what the biggest tell is is that what we're seeing is that her and biden do not communicate right they don't speak they are basically in two different two different worlds, and then any any staffer that works for her is stuck with dealing with that. And yeah. so we people like to make well during the previous administration, people were leaving left and right. No, they were getting fired. There's a difference. Was, <laughs> there's a huge difference. I have no patience. You, I don't care who you are. You do as we had planned. If it doesn't go the right way, I'll get somebody in here who can. That's a different mentality than people saying. I worked my whole career to work in the VP office and literally 
eight months in, I'm telling my family, this ain't it, I'm leaving. So that just shows the dysfunction. And if the White House is this dysfunctional, though, anybody can see it, that the world can see it. And that's probably why people aren't picking up the phone. We saw it with Saudi Arabia. Now we're seeing it with Russia and other mm-hmm. countries picking up the phone in the United States anymore because there's no need to. They just rather call China. And we are just handing over with just we are a dysfunctional family in terms of that's the way I would describe the White House. It is mom and dad need a divorce and they won't because financially they feel it's better to stay in the house and drive all of us kids crazy. Yeah. And, you know, the sad part of it, Tyrus, is that when you're in a position like uh, the vice president of the United States and the first uh, woman vice president of the United States, you have to think it is such a historic moment. And, you know, some people get on TV and talk about how wonderful it is and and, you know, it's great. But but she's wasting it. And the young women who look up to her have to think, you know, she's not someone that I want to look up to. I mean, you don't get on the stage. I don't care if it's on your local town council and laugh uh, and giggle because you don't know what the issues are. But amazingly, Tyrus, she is the insurance policy. She is Biden's insurance policy. Nobody would even think about impeaching Biden or doing the 25th Amendment, whereas, you know, if anybody deserved it, it would be him. This guy clearly has a cognitive problem. They won't even talk about the 25th Amendment because look at what they're going to get. She guarantees that he stays there. But she is she is. How could I use? How could I say it? But, but she has such a sense of herself that she thinks she's going to be the presidential candidate for the Democrats. Will they? Will they have her run in twenty twenty four? Well, the good news, in spite of them, this is still a free country, so she can, she can run, and she will run. I think what we're seeing just overall with this dynamic is that you, we, we took the woke. We need a woman any woman of color to be the vp instead of who is the best vp to work with this president they had no their their rivalry was i mean she basically called him a racist in the she campaign did. she did you can't take that back you can't i mean if they'd be like if i called you a name and then all of a sudden you i get to be on your show and i'm being sweet to you you're not gonna remember you're not gonna, no no you <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're going to be like, oh, no. (laughs) You you think I forgot? (laughs) So on the world stage, calling him a a racist, which in this day is that's a powerful word that can ruin people's lives and careers. So but they were so the left just doesn't get it. It's not about being the first. It's about being the best and and the best choice. And it's hurting their party to have a divided VP and president in the White House just to fill a box opposed to. Whether it was a woman, whether it was a man, whoever, what if it would have been Buttigieg, if it would have been whomever that was a better fit to work with Biden, that's who the VP should have been. But yeah. that's the, the difference between the Republicans and the world. The re, there well, we've had VPs run, women VPs run, and unfortunately McCain didn't win. But they were, and they weren't a good fit, and that was a result of it. Unfortunately, we have a good fit that actually got in. And now we're dealing with the justifications of why the ticket is so important and you can't vote off what you read on on papers and feel-good moments. You have to really look at your candidates. Do they work together? And we're seeing firsthand what happens when 
a VP and a president don't work together. Well, and, you know, when they're both stuttering along and, you know, every time Joe Biden comes out, Tyrus, you know, he says something, the White House has to come out and mop it up. It's like every time he opens his mouth, sanctions, I said they never work. Oh, they work. They work. They work. And, you know, I, but, but I want to end on one thing. Jill Biden uh, never liked Kamala because she knew that there would be tension and she didn't like the fact that Kamala uh, was someone who basically called her husband a, uh, a racist. And racist, just, yeah. yeah, but but in the last few seconds that we have, I mean, I guess Joe's not listening to Jill either. Well, and like I said, the plan was to beat Trump, and they had no plan B. Yeah. <laughs> so they got in, they undid all the things he did, and realized that, that the the measures he put in were helping this country. And now they have a mess on their hands, and they're both looking at each other with their hands up. Well, I thought you had a plan. No, I thought you did. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. And while this is going on, the American people are hurting. So I hope For in sure. November – Everyone gets out. Make sure you vote so we can at least get a front line of defense with the Senate and the House so we can put some some caps on this. And we can look into this Ukraine-Biden situation and actually have a real impeachment. I'll just leave it at that. All right, Tyrus. Love having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. And up next here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I'll be taking your calls on the Friends of the Court hotline. Plus, I'll gavel out with my closing argument. It's all coming up here on the Red Apple Audio Network.